But right now, Rail Coping has joined us in the studio. He was uh, with us a few weeks ago talking to us about collagen. That's right. That's right. And uh, now we're talking about meat and uh, alternatives, specifically insects. Quite right. Well, and I must say, normally you introduce me as an expert on everything you put into your mouth, but tonight I'm certainly tonight not, I'm dubious. I'm not in my comfort zone. So this this subject was actually given to me by your producer Taryn, and and I first I, I I laughed out loud when he told me. So I've done a bit of research, obviously, you know, in, in, on his request, and it's a it's a very very interesting mm-hmm. subject. So I've actually learned a lot, and I'm not claiming to be an expert on this by any means, but I'm happy to share with you the little bit that I've learned. But nutrition you know, is your game, though. That, that is, is your game. bailiwick. That is where you went and got five thousand degrees. <laughs> That's right. No, that is my game. Quite right. But this is a new area, and I think, you know, the spirit that you've just spoken about the whole. Uh, um, sort of conception that we all are linked up and and uh, on this planet together. It is driving this whole movement. So things like sustainability, natural ingredients, alternative foods are, are very much buzzwords at the moment. And it's almost it's it's logical that we have to start looking at, as you've said, solutions to the very expensive crop farming uh, methods we've got now, specifically for proteins. And uh, Insects are not maybe um, intuitively your first your first thought, but they are an inevitable conclusion to that uh, question. So I've learned a lot in in reading up of these things tonight. And the first thing is that it's actually a thing. It's called entomophagy, eating insects. It's called entomophagy, and it's practiced by about two billion people all over the world already. So we think we're on the new curve, but but we're actually late entrance to this game. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was saying right at the beginning of the show, yeah. I was saying, well, we in South Africa have been eating mopani worms hmm. for ages. Yeah. I mean, I personally haven't. No, me, we's not me. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it is you're right. It's a it's a food crop. I have eaten grasshopper slash locust. Have you? Mm-hmm. That is very very interesting because I've got a breakdown here, a nutritional breakdown. But just these are some statistics on people do eat. Insects, this is kind of what they're eating. 31% of the insects eaten are beetles. 18% is caterpillars, like the mopani worms you just mentioned now. 14% are bees and ants. And 13% are locusts and crickets. Bee, how do you eat a bee? No, I don't know, but I would pull out the sting before. But I think most people in that category are eating um, ants. And what's very interesting is these bees and ants are very high in those kind of oils that we prize so highly, the polyunsaturates and monounsaturates. So if you're talking about bees, wasps, and ants, if you're going to eat them, and this is in the dried form, they're about 48% monounsaturated fats. That's the same stuff you get from avocado and olive oil. That's right. the stuff that's got all these benefits yeah, in terms of yeah. boarding of heart disease and all these things. So, so it's really like a designer food, you know. And I'm looking here, I'm just comparing now, Dried. They talk about these things dried. You don't typically pick up the, the thing and eat it when it's all squishy. You'll prepare it somehow. But I'm comparing these crickets, for example, which are being uh, um, farmed in Kenya as an alternative food source. Now, this is the analysis, analysis on the crickets. Their proteins in the dry form is between 36 and 60 grams. Now, I'm comparing that to biltong, which is about 45 grams. So in other words, it's exactly the same protein as a biltong, and a drovors is going to be similar, about about um, 49 grams, 45 grams. So in other words, the, the protein content is exactly the same as mm-hmm. biltong or drovors, and the fat content 
is in fact exactly the same as Drovor's. So I've never eaten it. You can maybe tell me what it's like, but in terms of its nutritional breakdown on a piece of paper, I think you'd struggle to see the difference between dried crickets and mm-hmm. Drovor's, except that the cricket's a lot healthier because of its fat content. Well, I must say I had um, fried grasshopper, mm. and it's fried, it's, cr- it's crispy, mm. and it's spiced. Uh, but it does have a little bit of a chewiness to it. Oh, yeah? And then it depends on the spices, mm. and it it's not as dry as it looks. So that's interesting because you're talking about the fat. The fat content yeah. is very, very high. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, you talk about these grasshoppers. They say in Uganda… They um, collect them at the at the uh, airfield. You know, the lights at night, the lights are on on the airfield, and this apparently attracts, attracts all the yeah. grasshoppers. Yeah. So there's lots of people harvesting this as a crop, and they go and dry it, and they sell it at the market, and it's more expensive. So, so we're thinking of it as a real uh, uh, substitute food, a last resort, but over there, it's more highly prized than lamb. So the grasshoppers sell at a higher price. Than than the lamb meat, but, it's isn't a it, but isn't it also potentially the, the market? I mean, is lamb maybe just not a big thing? Uh, well, I can't comment on that, but the price of the grasshoppers mm-hmm. is more mm-hmm. expensive than the lamb. So people are obviously paying a premium yeah. for grasshopper yeah. meat, I suppose you could call it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think it's also interesting for the one of the things, the reasons that I wanted to look into it mm. is it strikes me um, that it could be situated in in kind of uh, uh, our economy mm. um, and our our patterns of, of production mm. in exactly the way you've just explained which is they they're harvesting it mm. but it's naturally there it's not like cows and lambs and sheep that we are um, herding every day mm. and feeding every day and getting special feed that is you know bust or not bust you know what I mean um mm. Comes in on a truck, yeah. Um, so that there's all these surrounding also emissions. It's not just the cows burping and eating and whatever. Yeah. It's also the, that the stuff is grown somewhere. So that's a lot of water. That's a lot of effort. Then yeah. it is transported, and that there we go. Now we busy with exhausts, and we're using uh, petrol and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So when you're you harvesting them like this, because hmm. as you say, um, the they're, they're lured by the lights. Yeah. So these guys just come out and they harvest them. You know, yes. The answer is yes. Now, with those things that are already being commercially grown, so I'm, so I'm, com- I'm comparing now what you're saying, just, just living off the, off the fat of the land, so mm. to speak, picking these things up off the, off the pavement where you find them, or actually growing them commercially in special feedlots, et cetera. So the stuff that is already commercially being, being um, grown on scale is crickets, palm weevils, Giant water bugs and water beetles. So those are already uh, being farmed as commercial crops. Now, when we're talking about… But what is the footprint of, of those kinds of crops? Do you have any idea? Yes. The footprint is much, much, much less than, than for beef. So, for example, um, normally as you go through the food chain, in other words, you're going now from, from the soil to the um, plants, to the vegetation, you've got a ratio of about… A thousand to one. In other words, a thousand bits of nitrogen in the soil are going to be required to be incorporated into the one one blade of grass, and then it's again a thousand to one in terms of of uh, incorporation into the cow. Right. And then again, if we're right. eating them higher up in the food chain, yeah. it's a, so it takes it takes a lot. It takes like a million nitrogens to get us mm. one. In other words, mm-hmm. if we're eating lower down in the food chain, um, obviously there's much more efficiency in it. Mm-hmm. And if we're comparing a cow to a 
insect. Insects don't have to keep their body temperature uh, high. They're much more efficient in terms of um, energy consumption. So they say it's a two-to-one ratio. Now, I don't know what a cow's ratio is, but in other words, two calories of food mm-hmm. will, will wind up, one calorie will wind up inside the insect. So in other words, you've give a, if you give an insect 500 calories, it's going to be able to incorporate 250 calories into its own body. Wherefore, mammals, etc., I know it's a much, much, much lower ratio. So it's a very, very efficient, efficient way of incorporating that protein into the body. But I just want to comment on what you were saying there because there are obviously certain contraindications. You know, the, mm-hmm. the whole thing of medicine is first do no harm yeah. and you can't just go eat hochas off the street and exactly. think, hey, I'm doing a great thing for myself and the planet. And, a, and one of the big things is exposure to pesticides and that kind of oh. stuff, you know. So you've got to be very careful before you go picking up crickets at the airport, have they actually sprayed that grass with phosphates and other stuff. If mm. it gets in your system, you could mm. get very, very sick, if not worse. And obviously also some insects are naturally poisonous mm-hmm. as well. So it doesn't mean it's free game on any, mm. you know, not, not the kind of imagine all the Cape talkers are going out now to catch insects to eat. But I'm saying those are considerations when you mm. identify potential food sources. It's not all just... Uh, you know, about nitrogen retention. It's also very, very um, important. And you know what they're saying? Very interesting. Allergies. If you have got a house mite dust allergy, there's a good chance you will also be allergic to grasshopper and also to shellfish. So if you have either of those two allergies, you must maybe think twice before you go munching on crickets and um Ants, it might set off on your allergy. And, and shellfish. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so those prawns are actually insects. Of the uh, sea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not, you're not an entomologist, but they do look <laughs> the same. Yeah. But no, you're right. So that, that um, fiber in insects is called chitin. It's that part that makes up the, the, the shell. And it's the same for insects and for shellfish. So yes, it could be a chitin reaction. Now that chitin is broken down, you know, especially the Asians, they find a use for everything into a product called chitosan. Now we'll know that from a couple of years ago. There was a product called Cheetanit. Do you remember those days? Cheetanit, you could take two, t- two teaspoons of this stuff and eat whatever you want, and it'll block your body from absorbing that fat, and you get away with it scot-free. So that's how they were advertising it. You could have buckets of cheese and chips and whatever. And was it true? No. So it was taken... <laughs> <laughs> It was taken off the market. So you were cheating yourself, you were che- I need they, they were cheating you. <laughs> yeah. But but the product is true. It, it can't um, absorb all of that fat. It can absorb a certain amount. But the marketers went a bit crazy. You know, the marketing department went a bit crazy with their claims, which took it off the market. But what, they, what they're looking at now is using that chitosan or the chitin or whatever form it's in because it binds certain molecules quite tightly as a slow-release vehicle for medications. So if you take it bound to chitosan, because the body breaks it down much more slowly, it's actually got medicinal uses as well in slow release of various um, compounds and medicines. So, Rel, thank you so much for coming in, and thank you for doing the research. That was actually, <laughs> actually it's fascinating. Been lots of fun, I must yeah, say. it's actually fascinating. Oh. So, we are going to be signing off, and I'm saying signing off because I won't be back until the new year. Mm-hmm. I might even be having a white Christmas. Imagine that. Where are you going to be? Imagine that. Well, I, I can't avoid all my oh, secrets. Okay. You know, that's the, that, that's the big hint: is, is it might be a, a, okay. a white Christmas. What's that spot? Yeah, so I want to wish everybody uh, well over the festive season. I want to say drive safely. I want to say drive safely. Arrive alive.